This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. And now, from beyond our dimension, this is the Jeff Mara Podcast. Here's Jeff. My guest is Lori Spagna. Lori is a best-selling author, ascension guide, light worker, and more who had a near-death experience where she met her loved ones, and today we're going to learn about it. Lori, thank you so much for joining us and welcome. Well, thank you for having me, Jeff. I'm so happy to be here. Looking forward to get to our time together. Me too. All right. So if you don't mind, let's start right on the day your NDE happened and go from there. Well, let me say that what inspired that NDE was that the day before my animal, my most beloved animal companion, whose name was Kenya, she had transitioned. And at the time I was living in Maui and I was working or going to a weekly group every Thursday night where we would practice energy work. And the, the, I would call him, he was a master, the the master teacher that I was working with had already had seven NDEs of his own, one of which was a documented case of waking up in a morgue, banging on a grocery store, like, uh, sorry, uh, a morgue freezer, a freezer. So um, anyway, when I came to the group, my weekly group, energy group, where we would work with energy, I said to the group, and and they kind of knew because we were, I would bring my dog Kenya's picture to the group every week so that they could do energy work on her to help her because she was physically ill for, for quite a while leading up to her death. And I was so distraught. I was so distraught and devastated by her, her death. And I was in so much pain. So I went to the group and I asked my master teacher, like, can you please just please help me to know where she was at. I was in so much like emotional grief. I can even kind of recall it and remember it and in like in the emotionality of it. And so he said, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to help you know where she is. Now this man who had lived in the Kunlun mountains for most of his life had already learned how to uh, um, actively work to uh And I don't know how to do this myself, but he knew how to take the essence of my consciousness and help it to basically help me to to remain conscious and let the physical world basically become nothing but essence, the essence of all that is. So my near-death experience wasn't like a traditional near-death experience in the sense that it was in a hospital and my physical body died. It was very esoteric based in esoteric practice, but it was definitely not like an astral body experience. If you know what astral travel is. So what happened was I went into the group. I was like, please help me know where she's at and please help me understand her experience. I already knew that, you know, there was no physical, there was no real death. It was only a you know, physical release of the body, but I just didn't understand where she was at. So I, he put me in the middle of the room and all of these energy workers were around me. And what he did was he essentially took the, the essence of my consciousness 
And I went into such a state that I no longer was physically in my body, nor was I attached or tethered to my body. My experience was, and he calls it a little death. This is something that his tradition knew how to do. They knew how to deliberately experience um, and can maintain their conscious experience death. So he took the essence of my consciousness into almost like into his hand for me, everything physical no longer existed. There was nothing physical and my consciousness emerged with all that is like the essence of, of all that is. I became one with all that is. It was as if nothing existed and yet everything was there, everything. And so in that space, which by the way, felt like it was like 30 seconds, but we were in that class, in that room for two hours. Um, I, in that space, I, the, the first thing that happened was, or as it started to happen anyway, was I started to realize I could hear everything and everyone. I could hear all that there was to hear, but it wasn't an auditory sound. I could just hear. And then at some point I started to realize I could see everything and everyone I could see all there was, that's the best way I can explain it, but it wasn't with my eyes because I know my eyes were closed or I wasn't even in the physical form anymore. But when I went into the space, the eyes were closed. And then at a certain point, it moved even beyond that, that I just became one with everything. Now in that energetic space where the physicality of my real of reality, there was nothing physical anymore. There was no physical there was no people. There was nothing in that sense. I, the, that's when I met with my dog, my dog, her name was Kenya. I think I said that already. And she came to me first and she said, mommy, I'm okay. And she said, I just want you to be happy. I just want you to be happy. Please don't worry about me. And I was so in love with her. Like we were so in love. It was so like, when I say in love, I mean, it's a kind of love that our human reality doesn't typically understand. It's like you fall. I fell so deeply in love with everything. I was just in a state of absolute love and beyond love, like bliss, euphoric bliss. And so from that space, as my dog was like talking to me, I was like, well, I don't want to go back and, my dog was saying to me, well, you have the other two dogs. I had two other dogs, Dakota and Kiko. And she was saying, well, they're still waiting for you. This is how blissed out and euphoric I was, Jeff. I was like, I don't care. I don't want to go back. I don't, I don't care. They're fine. They'll be fine. Because in that state, everything is more than fine. Everything is more than fine. It's so, you know, everything's going to be fine. So you don't have any care or any worry, but it's not that you don't care. It's that, I, it's not that I didn't care. It was like, the, I was like, I didn't care, but I cared, but I just knew they would be all right. Everything would be all right. And my dog was saying, you know, you have to go back. You still have a life there. And so then as I was sort of like, oh, I don't want to go back. Everything's fine. Everything's going to be so fine. I just want to stay here. Other family members from my lineage also came in, which was fascinating because like I wasn't thinking about them 
I wasn't asking them or calling them forward. Like I knew I went there to meet my dog to know that she was okay. But suddenly like aunts who had transitioned, my, some of my aunts who had transitioned and cousins, like relatives who were already in the non-physical. And the, the biggest one was my brother who had sort of like, whose name, by the way, was Jeff. I think I mentioned that in our earlier conversation before we started, they, they started to come like in circles and they were like, no, you, you can't stay here. <laughs> I was like, no, I don't want to go back. It's so wonderful. Well, anyway, so this whole experience happened, like I said, two hours of linear time in the physical world went by. I only know that because of the class time, but at a certain moment in this non-physical space and Oh, by the way, but all of the family members were kind of like saying it, it was really fascinating because there was no thinking really. It's not like a linear process of how the brain thinks. It was like just pure awareness. But what a lot of them would share with me was their life stories and purposes. It was like, I was just aware of it almost like instantly. And they would say to me, your life story, your, your purpose is not done. So like I had this awareness that there was a lot more, but I just didn't, again, it was almost like I didn't care. I was just so euphoric. But in any case, at a certain point, I became aware that the my teacher in the room, he, he, I heard him somehow say, it's time. I heard him count to three. I heard him snap. I felt myself pop into physical form. I, my body started to go into like um, what I call floppy fish syndrome, which I had that a lot anyway from working in that energy group, but it's because the body cannot hold all that. It's, it's, it's the euphoric bliss, the body, the physical body, my body couldn't hold it. So I'm just like flopping around in the center of the room. And then what happened was all the people in the room, they took their finger or two fingers and would just touch me like as little as this. And their bodies would start flopping around in the room with this euphoric bliss because the energy was so powerful moving through me that now I had taken into my form that all they had to do was touch me and it would immediately like electricity just go through them and their bodies couldn't, but it's bliss. So then for another about, I don't know how much time it was, but I remember we went over, everybody was like curled up in fetal positions, hysterical laughing. I mean, hysterical laughing. And the reason I'm saying this is because that's the energy where our loved ones go. This kind of euphoric, blissful state of just so happy and fulfilled, joyful, like beyond what we can measure, beyond what we typically hold in our bodies. And it was affecting everyone in the room. They, they didn't even all have to directly touch me. Some of them just had to touch each other. So imagine how that it's energetics. It's, it's just moving through. And everybody continued this like blissed out euphoric laughter. It was, I wish I could recreate it. <laughs> it was so incredible. Well, thank so, you for sharing your experience with us, Lori. Yeah. Can we go back to the beginning now? When he put you into this state, I mean, did you first like lay down in the middle of the room and you were meditating and then he started doing some type of energy work or? 
or how did that happen? Well, we would do, we, we always would do energy work to start the group. Yes, there was energy group. So energy work in the group, but I was in the middle of the room because he, I asked him to help me meet Kenya, but we always moving energy. And so most humans in the physical world, we don't understand energy. We're just waking up to this concept of energy, mm-hmm. but there are frequencies of energy, vibrations of energy. And one of the easiest ways to begin to access frequencies that are beyond the physical, I call the physical energies that we live in the third dimensional reality, right? Because that's like light, that's energy, all kinds of light and color, sound, that's a dimension of reality. And then space, right? Height, width, depth, even the idea of time, like all of that is third dimensional reality. But one of the best ways to begin to move beyond just that density is through meditation. But this went way beyond that. We were literally working with practices and tools to access and to energetically embody frequencies of energy that that our physical world does not just doesn't know about or doesn't doesn't have access to. And because this teacher who grew up in the Kunlun Mountains and studied with so many, you know, Taoist monks and Buddhist, he like his traditions of study were just so beyond anything we learn in the westernized world and he brought it to these small small circles of western teaching because he knew how to do that i was just so blessed in that way to be able to access that you laid down in the center of the room you kind of what started meditating and maybe relaxing and then all of a sudden your consciousness just went from in the body to out of the body immediately like all of a sudden well i out of my body wow yeah, I wouldn't say it was like, oh, immediately, but it, in a sense, it was immediate because, I mean, like I said, it was a two hour, it's a two hour class. It didn't take long. He, it was him who did it for me in that sense. I can tell you some of the stuff he was teaching me because I was working on it for two years while I lived in Maui. But in a sense, what it was, was he used what he knew how to do with energy because he's such a master. But one of the things like, cause there were more than one, that's the, was the main near death experience because of his teachings. I, I was trying to learn how to, to do this for myself in a way. So one of the things he used to teach us was just to meditate through the night. He would say, don't sleep, meditate through the night. And if, when you get yourself into a really deep state of meditation, you won't need to sleep. Your body doesn't need sleep. You'll be conscious and you'll be more consciously able to um, direct, so to speak, your own life experience and your journey, even in that space, but your body will still receive whatever it needs in sleep time that it would normally get in sleep time. So I used to do this every night for two years. It wasn't like, so when we say it just happened in a second, no, I mean, I was prepping myself for quite quite a while to be able to reach that state. And I was going to those classes weekly, working with energy. So being able to learn how to like harness and embody energy, it's really a massive shift for the physical, the emotional, the mental, the energetic state. Our bodies can only handle so much so fast. So it wasn't like in an instant, but in that room, it it did in a way seem like an instant because I already knew how to get myself into an energetic state where I was so um, at a, a, a frequency beyond physicality. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's kind of like you got yourself into a state where you're susceptible to be able to just leave and go yes. 
to that other realm. Exactly. Like, for example, when I lead um, meditation circles now, I always start off by telling my community to get themselves into a state of homeostasis. The average person is not walking around in a state of homeostasis right now. They're, they're stressed and people are full of anxiety. A lot of people right now, especially current state of reality, people are very fearful. All of that heightens you know, heightens the uh, physicality of the body and puts us out of homeostasis. Just by regular, deep, long, relaxing breathing, our body gets into homeostasis. That's just step one. That's like barely step one. And then from there, we have to prepare the body in a sense and the mind. And this is why meditation is so important because it starts to relax us. Even as a healer, I'm always telling people we need to get ourselves when I lead my people in in my circles, they have to get themselves even beyond homeostasis into a state of receivership for a healing. So with that, like I'll I'll teach people how to access their, their base and open their base chakra and how to open and access their crown chakra and access their theta brainwave to be in the theta brainwave state. You're now in a state of receivership. So there's no resistance that breaks through human judgment, that breaks through human skepticism, that breaks through human disbelief. But but, when you asked me, was it all in a second? It wasn't really because, because it was after lots and lots of learned practice and application and dedication and discipleship. So I was able to get myself by that time into a state of beyond receivership what I call alignment, like this is energetic alignment. So that stuff takes a lot of practice and development, but it's not impossible. Mm -hmm. It's absolutely accessible for everybody. And it's, it's not something that we don't have access to. It's just that stuff. By the time I got to that circle, I could get there very quickly. Like right now I can easily get myself, like I don't even have to work at it to get myself into a theta brainwave to get myself into a relaxed state to get, you know what I mean? So does that answer that? Yeah. After you experienced that bliss and you returned back, did you have trouble back in this realm? Like you, you know, because you were just without all that bliss and euphoria anymore. Well, first let me say that I had more time in Maui. I, it was the trouble didn't happen until I left Maui in a way. While I was married, I'll say one other thing that happened within, within, it's hard for me to remember the exact linear time, but a very short period of linear time after that event, one of the subsequent like follow-up um, circles, you know, Thursday, they were on Thursday nights. I remember driving home and walk just about to get out of my car to walk into the front door of my house. And I had these, I would call them angels visited. And it's because I broke through that, that veil in a way. So I was still having a lot of that energetic bliss on a regular basis, like, cause I was practicing it regularly and I had this, Oh my God, just incredible. Only twice in my life this has happened, but twice is a lot, but they were like out of both the sides of my eyes but my eyes were wide open in this case. I had just driven home. I was not in an altered state necessarily. I was in my, this like radiant, 
rainbow, vibrating, angelic beings. And I just don't even know how to explain it. It was the most beautiful, magnificent, incredible, so powerful. I literally did have to say, okay, this is starting to freak me out. I I need this to, to kind of stop. But it just, it's almost like you could feel like you're, I could have felt like I was blinded by this radiant rainbow, brilliant, magnificent, angelic light that was just overpowering and coming not through me, but in a way from me, but to me. It was, I don't know how to explain it, but there were angels saying, you know, we're with you. You've, you've broken this, you've broken through this veil and we're with you and we're always with you. We're part of you. And this is true for everybody. We all have angelic nature in us. We all have not only angels that are always with us, working in us, through us, and around us, but we are on certain levels or frequencies of, of what we call consciousness or vibration. We are angelics. We, we are angels at another frequency. That's us. So they're, they're both within us, around us, part of us. And also like extensions of us, versions of us and connected to us. So anyway, that was the purpose of that was so magnificent. But now I got sidetracked. What was your, oh, was it hard getting back? So what I will say was, oh, yeah. After I left Maui, because I was in Maui for two years, I moved back to the mainland and I was living in California. Well, first I went to New York temporarily. And then went back to California because that's where I was before Maui. And that was really hard. That part, that period of time was so hard. The reason it was so hard was because number one, I thought in my naivete, nothing can prepare you for this, this kind of a thing. So in my naivete, I kind of thought like everybody else in the world had advanced as much as me. I didn't realize like I had, um, somehow advanced and accelerated in my own consciousness, in my own awareness, in my own capabilities. That's so extreme. So I was interacting with people in a sense as if they knew what I knew or understood what I understood. And most people were calling me crazy. You know, like even I remember when I went to Maui during those two years, one of the, all of my old relationships broke away, by the way, like I, my ex-husband divorced me. And in the little bit that I was in touch with him, and even in the aftermath of moving back, he just thought I was crazy. You know, he couldn't understand. I had to come into the realization of how to interact with people while like knowing what I knew and being who I was and still interacting in a way that I wasn't crazy. That was one thing. The other thing was like the sensitivity was really hard because I could now, my, my extrasensory abilities were through the roof. I mean, the psychic abilities through the roof, the empathic abilities, which is the ability to feel other people's emotional feelings and animals too, by the way, and other people's energetic, their physical, I could feel it all. So I can stand next to somebody or like I remember being on an airplane once and I could, I, I could feel everything their body was feeling. That was all really hard. I knew I could hear. I was super telepathic. I mean, I still am, but now I know how to utilize it 
how to sort of turn it on, turn it off, which you never really turn it on or turn it off. But what you do, there's a way to sort of not have to be so, you know, (laughs) open in a sense. So, but those first two years after that, really hard. Yes, I had to navigate that. And nobody could understand it. And I didn't know how to communicate it. And even if I did, I mean, I was starting a business, you know, I thought I was going to be a dog trainer initially. That's kind of how I got into all this, through my love for animals. But then I started moving into animal telepathy. And then it was like, you know, psychic abilities. And I got into the healing arts. All that stuff was so accelerated. I really had to reel it in. So anyway, yes, the short answer is yes. It was really, really hard at first. And, you know, people are going through this now. Um, maybe not as accelerated, but more and more people are starting to wake up to their empathic gifts, their sensitivities, their psychic gifts. We're all becoming, this is happening on earth right now. So I just feel like I went through it like ahead of a lot of people so that I could help other people through this awakening process that's starting on earth. From time to time, people will write to me and ask me to ask the guests about animals. Hmm. And so this takes it all to a next level because not only did you communicate with your dog, but your dog was the one telling you, you need to go back. Yeah. Well, let me just say our animals, all animals on earth are sentient beings. 100%. They are conscious. They are aware. They have emotionality. They have will and desire They are not any different from us in terms of their conscious awareness. What is very different, aside from the fact that, you know, other than the great apes, they, you know, the great, the apes and the monkeys, they don't have the the fingers and the hands to create the way we do. Their brains work very differently because we're predominantly left brained. So we analyze, we think, we use logic, we're skeptics, we figure things out. The way our brains work is it comes sort of information comes into the left brain, the right brain has to like become aware of it, the left brain has to process it, then eventually the two brains kind of meet, ah, I get it. Right brain, I mean, animals don't have to do that, they're primarily right brained, which means they're just aware. If you hurt an animal, they don't have to think about it. They just know. If there's stress in their environment, they don't have to analyze it or figure it out. They just know. They just immediately identify it. It's kind of like right now in your brain, there's a place called Africa, but you're not thinking about it. You just know. You just know. You don't even have to think about it. It's that. That's how their brains work with everything. So, They have an incredible amount of awareness. Now, also, because they're not trying to pay the rent and they're not trying to get along with their mother-in-law and they're not trying to, you know, figure out if they're going to get COVID or not. Like these things are not in their in their their requirement of living. Um, They don't have to fill up the car with gas because of that. They are spend most of their time in a theta brainwave. So their brainwave state for the most part, or alpha, at least, depending on the frequency of the human that they live with, because they are totally environmental, just like we are. We know environment completely affects us. The environment of what we listen to, watch, see, hear, feel, physical environment, so important. So same with animals, but they're mostly in either a theta or an alpha brainwave. 
So that brainwave by nature, especially a theta brainwave, it's highly telepathic. So they're hearing, feeling, sensing, aware of the thoughts that are going on around them and what their humans in their environment are thinking, but they don't analyze it. They just hear it. They know. So they know your thoughts. They know what you're thinking when they live with you. Now, on top of that, because they're less functioning from brain and they're more functioning actually from heart. So right now, humans are just beginning to develop brain matter in our hearts. We, that is scientifically proven. One place to go do research on it is the Institute of Heart Math. They have scientifically studied and validated that we have brain matter in our heart We also have brain matter in our gut, but we need to develop it. And they already have it developed more than we do. So they're they're carrying virtues, which are like virtues, um, qualities of their behavior, their way of being that we're just learning. So in other words, anyone who has a cat, a dog, let's use dog as an example for this one. Anyone who has a dog knows the dog never has to learn forgiveness. You could step on a dog's toe. You can even in a cruel case, kick a dog or be mean to a dog. He doesn't have to forgive you. The next moment he's licking you. He loves you. Okay. Over time, he might get scared, but the point that that's a learned behavior from his human maybe, but if he knows he's loved and just in a moment, the human who loves him accidentally stepped on their toe or, you know, lost their patience with him. He doesn't have to learn forgiveness. Hmm. It's just one example. Magnanimity. Another example. Animals do not have to learn magnanimity, which means the ability to love all that is. We are just learning that. This comes from brain matter in the heart and also active brain matter in the gut. Animals already have all this. So we're not recognizing the the innate wisdom and consciousness and awareness of the animal kingdom, all animals, regardless of whether they live with their humans, with humans, or if they live in the wild, have innate wisdom and they have innate consciousness. They are sentient beings and they're actually here to teach us, to help us and to heal us and to help heal the earth too, depending on where they live. So anyway, that's a mouthful, but you gave me a good platform to share that. (laughs) So are you saying that animals are completely different sentient beings than us? Or is it possible that we can reincarnate as an animal? Okay, well, the reincarnation question is a whole separate question. In a way, you ask two questions. Am I saying that they are, I think the first part was, are you saying that they are different or sentient like us? I'm saying, yes, they are. They are absolutely, totally sentient, just like we are. And to some degree... Even more so. Even though they're sentient, they're completely different. Or is it possible that they are us if if we reincarnate as them? Okay. So they are us ultimately because ultimately our state of reality, in a sense, is that everything ultimately is one divine source. So they are aspects of us. That said, from a linear perspective, what I've learned from animals is number one, most animals, when you communicate with them telepathically, even in the afterlife, because they go through the same transition that we do, uh, same kind of transition of their leaving their physical form into blissful euphoric states and, and whatever their experiences are as sentient beings. Most animals do not want 
to become humans. Most of the time, animals in their in their reincarnation cycles typically say, I want to help humans. I don't want to become an animal, a human. I want to stay an animal because humans have it hard. We have it tough. Most humans are not looking to become animals because our perception is that we want to somehow progress in our journey as well. So typically, and this is not absolute, but typically animals continue to reincarnate as animals for the most part, and humans continue to reincarnate as humans. But again, not, not absolutely, not always. But does that answer your question? Yeah. Yeah. That's my, that's from everything I've learned from communicating telepathically with animals, both in physical form and in non-physical, because again, it's very easy to communicate with animals who have transitioned. They're still alive and well, just not in physical. And same with communicating with humans who have transitioned into the non-physical. That's, that's my understanding. And that's why I'm sharing that. Yeah. I have often thought that in this realm, it's impossible for us to experience the love, the bliss that you do when you're in the other realm, just because of the nature of this realm. Would you agree with that? Well, I don't know what I don't know. So maybe I I can only imagine that there's more than even I know what I experienced, but I would say it's not impossible at all because I know I experienced something that seemed impossible Mm. in terms of that. Does that make, like, I don't think it's impossible for us, but at the same time, we don't know what we don't know. Right. And, and what I do know, what I do know is that source and, and love and all of those frequencies, love, bliss, joy, well-being, that euphoria, that's infinite. Source, creator, God, the divine, holy, mother, father, God, whatever, whatever we call that, it's infinite. That I know. So what is infinite? <laughs> we have a barely, we're in a world of limitation. So, so to say that it's impossible for us to experience that, maybe it is because it's infinite and we're, you know, coming in a space of infinite, of, of limitation. So what is infinitely available? What is infinitely possible? Right. And maybe great question. And maybe impossible is too strong of a word, but it may be, maybe it's best to say very difficult. For example, even you, when you came back, to me, it appears that your body in this realm couldn't handle it because that's why you were doing the flopping fish out right. of water. Like right. your body just couldn't handle it in this density. That's right. But at the same time, my body now, because I have trained my body, see, part of the floppy fish syndrome what I've learned from working with other people and teaching them this now, because that was like, that was almost, almost uh, 15 years ago that happened or more. Um, what, what I've learned is that part of the floppy fish syndrome is that, that the light, the, the frequencies that are of lightness, in other words, more of love, more of these lighter frequencies are in a sense, energetically, you could use the word pushing out or transmuting the density 
of our physicality. And the density of our physicality is typically what we would describe as physical, emotional, mental, energetic pain, suffering, upset, judgment, experiences associated with only the physical, so that the body literally is capable of holding and embodying more of this light. So when we get to very advanced stages, and again, what is advanced? It's infinite potential. We can infinitely advance. But when we get to um, advanced states, we can hold and embody a lot more of that. So I would say now, so many years later, I'm holding and embodying way more of that. But back then, my body had to shift out of all of that density. So we can embody more. It's not impossible. But where I, where I agree with you on the sort of impossibility of it is, is we don't know everything that's possible. Like it's infinite. But it's not impossible for us to experience these states. It's just challenging for us because it's not part of our mainstream culture. It's not part of our mainstream awareness. And we have to go outside of what's in the mainstream to seek this kind of information, to find it, to discover it. And there's all kinds of sort of our own internal barriers that we have to break through. And when I talk about our own internal barriers, I'm talking about the parts of us that are in that third dimensional reality, our skepticism, our doubt, our disbelief, our unhappiness, our misery, our judgment, our blame, our shame, our regret, our judgment, you know, our remorse, all of these kinds of, these are all energetics that are barriers, so to speak, to these so-called higher realms of these bliss states. But when we clear them out, and we can, that's not impossible at all. Um, We can hold and embody much more of these bliss frequencies and much more of this euphoric type of state more of the time. It is, that part's not impossible at all. It's just challenging because it's not our normal way. Since we're already talking about the third dimension, can you just tell us the differences between 3D, 4D, and 5D? Yeah. Well, 3D I explained, right? That's the physical world that we live in. And that's... um, physicality so space height with depth space and sound and light and then fourth dimension is non-physical so that's in if you have people who are living in 3d they just don't believe in they don't even think about non-physical they don't believe in angels they don't believe in psychics they don't believe in intuitives they don't believe in that the ghosts paranormal Um, They also don't necessarily think about where their thoughts come from or where they go to or where to, where our beliefs, where our thoughts, thoughts are things. Um, Where do emotions come from? Where do they go? Like those are things, but they're non-physical things. So those are what I call the fourth dimensional realm, non-physical things that are real, that have their own sort of substance. They are a form of matter in the non-physical it's frequency, right? So that's 4d. And that includes our concepts and our belief systems. So like even the concept of time. So a lot of people will say time is the fourth dimension. Well, no time is part of the fourth dimension because it's a concept. I mean, really time is just infinite now, infinite now, but we made time linear. That's 4d. 
And then when we get to 5D, we're talking about someone who has basically navigated the realms of 4D to the point of sort of embodying their life with those frequencies. So people living in 5D understand consciousness much better. They understand their own thoughts much better. They're consciously using their thoughts, their beliefs, their judgments, their opinions to consciously create the reality of their choosing. Typically in 5D, people are highly telepathic. Typically in 5D, people are highly psychic. They're, they're, we're all very empathic. We can feel and sense things beyond you know, the 3D reality. Typically we are interacting with angels or loved ones from the non-physical regularly or on a regular basis to some degree or another. Not absolutely, but those are the kinds of experiences we have. In 5D, we recognize that just because we're told something from the external world does not make it true. Just because some so-called authority comes on TV and tells everybody to get up in arms about something, we know in 5D, we do not have to make that part of our reality. Because in 5D, we start realizing we're in quantum reality. We're We're beyond the physical, but we still have physicality. And we start taking responsibility, 100% responsibility for the creation of our own personal world. We realize we can't control other people. We recognize and honor their free will to either consciously or unconsciously create their reality. Um, We understand that, that other people choose things, whether they know it or not. We're not overriding that. We're not stepping on it. We're also actively working on sort of, removing judgments from that, you know, we're, we're, we're actively working on becoming more at one with our divinity. That's a very spiritual realm for the most part, or else it's a quantum realm. So those are just some examples, but we're reclaiming our power from within in 5d. I can go on if you want me to go on. I only have so much time and there's other things (laughs) I want to cover. For example, you have been abducted by aliens can Mm. you tell us about that yes so what happens when you go through a near-death experience and this isn't for everybody but in a lot of cases people in your transition you're transitioning all all of us through dimensions and when we move through these dimensions the light that we have and the consciousness that we have starts to get recognized or seen or observed by other beings on these other dimensional realms. And so I can only say that these star beings, I call them star beings because I'm going to explain the difference between like what I call abduction and first contact. Um, they, They see you. They see a lot of us. They're like, oh, that one's transitioning and she's coming back. They can, they're on a frequency, a bandwidth beyond Beyond 5D, they're usually seventh, eighth, ninth dimension, somewhere in that range. They're like, oh, this one's coming back. Now we want to know what the, what's she going to do now? Because we they know that, that when someone transitions and they come back into form, that being is going to now have extra, extra sensor, beyond extra sensory abilities, expansive, way beyond the physical, average physical human. So... They start kind of uh, sometimes these benevolent race, star family races, or could be called aliens, 
who truly want to help humanity, they'll watch us for a little while and see what's she, what's she going to do with now that she's back with this all this extra sensory gift. Well, in any case, that's how I understand what happened to me because I kept meditating through the night and I went go out on my porch. Again, I lived in Maui. So I would go out on my porch, meditate through the night and look up at the skies. And, you know, I'm awake, I'm lucid. And I would look up at the sky in between the meditation or during it and then, you know, go back to the meditation. But at one point I was on my back porch. I lived on a golf course. I saw like a star at first it looked like a star, but it was making circles. Now stars don't make big circles like that. And at that point I was telepathic enough. So I was like, Oh wow, you know, you're amazing. Like well, I'm just in awe. Like I'm seeing a ship. This is the first time that I knew I was seeing a ship. And I, and I was so naive at that time because I didn't know if there were, I didn't know that there were negative aliens or positive aliens or any of that. I was very naive about the whole like extraterrestrial thing. I never researched it or any of that at that time. So I just started telepathically communicating. And one of the things I said was, if there's anything I can do to help, let me know. <laughs> Very naive. But anyway, it was, you know, from a heart centered place. But in that space, I was immediately, that was very immediately telepathically or not telepathically teletransported energetically onto this ship and found myself in this, in this room with these beings watching me. And at that point, it, it was no longer, again, this is not a physical state. It wasn't my physical body, but it was my whole body. It was what I call, in a sense, etheric or plasma-like because it's a different frequency. So I had physical form, but not physical of the third dimensional realm, physical of what I would call seventh dimensional realm, plasma-like. And I was surrounded in this room with these beings who were observing me and I had free reign to move about this ship to limited degree because I could walk in. I could say, I want to see, like I, I didn't talk the same way. I had telepathic ability to just think a thought and it was heard by everybody. So I, I wanted to see what was outside the room I was able to move about to some degree on the ship. I could see one room had all cameras. There was someone in there who identified himself. It was a male, beautiful male, identified himself as what we would call Palladian. And by the way, I had to do a lot of regression on this too, but I definitely, a lot of it was, I'll explain more. So then I was able to move into another room. I went into this huge like stadium-like room where there was a woman who sort of in a sense was like standing in front of the stadium. And she said, do you want to go in there? And I was like, no, what's in there. And she was like, that's where we keep all of our children. All of our children are in there. Do you want to go? She asked me, do you want to go in? I said, no. Um, so anyway, I was able to move about and I was able to interact with them. I remember she asked if she could put something in me. They did, uh, you know, I was very, a little bit altered in that place. She did do what we call an implant in my wrist. Didn't like that at all the next day. I was very angry, but 
in any case, when I wanted to go back, I said, I want to go back. But there was a period of time, even after that, I'm, I'm jumping around here. When I said I wanted to go back, I was immediately back in my physical form, like in my physical home, like I had complete awareness of what happened. And I was in like a state of shock. I couldn't process it. I didn't, I knew it happened. I was shocked, but for a long period of time in that state of shock. And for many, many days, maybe even more than a couple of weeks, I was having what I call downloads. And a lot of that was like what I would call codes and symbols and um, messages being almost like downloaded into my brain or into my consciousness. But the next day when I was like out of it and I was like walking about more, I remember being like enraged, furious, especially about the implant. I remember like screaming, like in my car, like, what am I going to do about this? And when I calmed down, I remember for a long period of time, like asking, what is all of this? Like, why did this happen to me? What was this all about? And I would always be told, and my angels would come in too. You'll know when the time comes, you'll know. So do you, do you, do you still have the implant in your wrist? I don't think so. I'm pretty sure I had that removed. Like I know I had it removed, but it wasn't a physical, like cut your arm open, take it out kind of thing, but it was removed energetically. So we can do that stuff. Mm. <laughs> it's not a physical thing. It was on an etheric level on a seventh dimensional. So when I say I'm pretty sure I know that I have, but at the same time, because so much um, time has gone by since then, I identify as, as at one with them. So I identify as what we call a star seed. And that's because to me, those star beings, I was one of the children on that ship that came from that space that braided in with my human self. So I call myself a braided star seed. And there are many like me, not, not billions, but like, there are hundreds of thousands of humans who identify as some kind of star seed or another. And I identify as a braided star seed, which is to say that, that my star being self integrated with my human self. And I identify as at one with both because that's my seventh, eighth, ninth dimensional self. Those are versions of me. That's my star family. That's not what, And that's why I don't call that an abduction. I call it a first contact. I just made a first contact in that experience with my star family who integrated with my human self. So I have future version, past version, merged, became one within me. And we all have access to this. These are future aspects of who we become and who we evolve into. I just brought it into the now. So you're saying that in the future, you'll be a star being, but at this point in time, you've kind of merged that future self with your current self, right? I'm saying that in the future, all humans awaken to the, to the aspect of themselves that we are all multidimensional beings. Okay. And part of our multidimensionality is angelic. And part of our multidimensionality is of the star family races. 
And part of our multidimensionality is that we're ascended masters and we all begin to awaken to this. And our physicality and the energetics of who we are will, as a collective human race, for those of us who continue to choose living, we will evolve so much that we will be less dense, full of more joy and bliss in these higher frequencies we've been talking about with all of these extra sensory abilities. I just happened to believe that it happened to me earlier so that I could become a role model. I don't know if that's the right word, a poster child, I, to, so that I could help others to see, to know. We're evolving at an extremely accelerated pace right now. Mm-hmm. And all of the density of our collective experience is dropping off. That's why we're many people are having to face their fear um, and we're, we're transitioning out of our old reality. We're all waking up. It's going to take maybe another 15 years, but it's happening at an accelerated pace. So that's what I'm saying. I'm, we're all going through a very accelerated ex- evolutionary jump here. And I think this is going to happen for all of us. And I think it's all good, like all positive. It's going to be so wonderful for us because we will all be operating from a more heart-centered place in, in more service to ourselves, to our world, to the betterment of humanity. We will all be more and more positively uplifted. We will no longer be able to be swayed by false government authorities who are self-serving and who we will no longer be swayed by by corporations that are serving self to the harm and detriment of humanity. We will no longer be interested in violence. We'll be shifting into interest about expanding our awareness into these higher realms that are so much more fulfilling and rewarding for us, that are so much more joy-based and love-based. So that's what how I see it. I think we're all going in that direction. We may not all be choosing it, Some might not choose it, but overall, this is how the collective of humanity is shifting. And so we're just in the first stages of it right now. So it looks pretty dark because we're we're kind of going through a tunnel. You know, it's like a a dark night of the soul, collective awakening. You know, Lori, I could probably talk to you for another two hours, but I'm running out of time. So I just got to... shift gears here a little bit. You are an author. What are your books and where can we find them? Yeah, my books are on Amazon. They can find, anyone can find them by going to Amazon and searching my name, Lori Spagna. And um, yeah, they can find tons of stuff on animal communication, animals in the afterlife, manifestation, psychic development, um, the secret energy of money and wealth. That's And they're like free on Kindle. I mean, you know, um, and then they can they can get some great stuff at lorispania.com if they want to go really in depth to learn more about helping animals and serving animals. They can get some um, and becoming more telepathic and working with energy with animals. They can go to lorispania.com forward slash free gifts forward slash animals. If they want to learn about more about the star seeds and the star seed family races and these dimensions and what I call the indigo family tribes. It can go to lorispania.com forward slash free gifts 
forward slash starseed, and they'll get a class and an ebook on that free to learn more about about all of this part. And then also if they want to learn more about the DNA, because we didn't get to that too much, but all of this stuff, by the way, is stored in our own DNA, which is why, you know, everybody wants the DNA these days. That's like the most prized possession on earth is actually the DNA. Um, But to activate your DNA and awaken this kind of knowing within yourself, it's stored in there. They can go to lauriespagna.com forward slash free gifts forward slash DNA. In one last gift I would love to give people is we have in our DNA what we call codes of immunity and imperviousness. This is real. That free gift is on my YouTube channel. So if they just go to Lori Spagna, search Lori Spagna on YouTube, they can get a free activation. They can listen to it before they have any effect because it requires them to consent before they even will be affected by it, but it's all positive and it activates those codes of immunity and imperviousness. So I would love for people to benefit from that. That's why it's open sourced gifted on my YouTube channel for anyone. So yeah, those are, that's how they can find out more and that's how they can benefit from, from some of the work that I'm doing and the services I'm providing. All right. After watching this podcast, people may want to reach out to you and ask you questions. Are you open to that? And if so, how do they find you? Sure. They can come to the website. There's a contact page there. It's at, it's at my name, lorispagna.com. The contact page is there. So it's L-O-R-I-S-P-A-G-N-A.com. I also regularly interact with people through my Facebook page, they can go over and find me there. And I do my best to regularly interact people with people on my YouTube page. So when they make comments on the YouTube channel under, you know, my name, Lori Spagna, um, I do my best to interact with people there too. So those are the three ways people can get in touch with me directly. All right, great. Before we finish up here, can you leave us with one last positive message? Oh, I just want to tell people and remind people something that I know that they all know. It's that we are so loved. Not only are we loved by others, we, each and every one of us, we are one piece of an infinite source of omnipresent, omnipotent love. We are that love. We are that source. That source is flowing in and through us. And when we start awakening and aligning to it, it is infinite love. We are it. And we, each and every one of us, not only are we just a once in, we are so individual and at the same time, so divinely united to that one source of infinite love. It is us. We are, we are sweet, all matter. We are so important to the infinite nature of reality. Otherwise we would not have been created by this creator in the first place. And that creator is infinitely loving, infinitely omnipresent, omnipotent, infinitely aware. And we are getting the opportunity to wake up to this. And I want just every person to understand that we have that capacity within us and it is happening for humanity. And I'm just grateful that we all have this opportunity to wake up to this. So I hope that's helpful. And other than that, I want to say thank you so much for having me and for for allowing me this, this opportunity to share. Well, thank you for being my guest. I really appreciate you and I wish you the best. 
Thank you. And to you too.